is a lot of them think that they are selling a completed personal history. And while that's the end product, I what I want to suggest is that um, they connect to the problem that that solves, that this uh, essential part of our family was going to be lost uh, forever. And and that's what I think is a way that that we have to tap into. I've I've contended that you know the the companies or the people who who can explain the problem the best are the ones that we're probably going to to connect with and and want to do business with. Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing with your host, Amy Woods Butler. Hi guys, Amy here. If you've listened to the show before, you know that this is where we talk about starting and growing a life story business. Clients come to us because they have a desire to record their life story, their memories and reflections and family history. They want to record this so they can pass it down to their kids and grandkids and future generations. And they need our help to write that life story book or create that life story video or audio. But how do they find us? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today uh, with our guest, John Jance. John is a marketing consultant, a speaker, and a best-selling author. He's been called the world's most practical small business expert, and that's because he's full of ideas and practical advice on creating a marketing strategy that can help us grow our business, and especially our local business. You might recognize his name because he's the author of several books, including Duct Tape Marketing, which is also the name of the marketing strategy that he and his consultants teach around the world. He also has a podcast where he shares a wealth of great information. I'll put the links to all of this stuff on the show notes because you really probably want to check out his podcast and his website. He's got free webinars that just delve into a lot of marketing stuff. And this last thing doesn't have anything to do with marketing, but I really wanted to point you guys in the direction of his TEDx talk. Um, I highly recommend that you watch it. It's about entrepreneurs helping people achieve their dreams. And, you know, I think that's what we do. We we are get into this business because we want to help our clients create a life story project. And that's something that a lot of them have dreamed about for a long time. They can't do it on their own. So his TEDx talk is really super powerful. Um, and I feel very lucky that we have him here today. John, welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast. Thanks for having me, Amy. And uh, one thing you left out there is that we're recording this show about five blocks away from each other. <laughs> That's right. Well, I really enjoy doing, uh, not that this is a local podcast, but I really enjoy doing anything locally in the community because for so many years, I you know, tried to build a global brand. And uh, so you're doing that all over the world, all over the country. And uh, so it's, it's really fun to do things that are a little more local focused. And you certainly have built a global brand. I mean, you're off doing talks and presentations all over the world, correct? That, that is correct. Yeah. So guys, we're very lucky to have him here to talk to us and share how we can build a marketing system that works for us. Because, you know, John, our, the clients that we serve um, are, I, uh, we had talked about this a few minutes ago, but the clients that we serve are mostly older people. Some of them will be online, some of them will not. Um, and even for the people who are internet savvy, it's, uh, we have to build such a close personal 
relationship even before we start doing a life story project because honestly we're going and meeting these people and they're telling us all about their life so it's a little bit I would imagine that the marketing is probably a little bit different than you know if you're going out there and selling HVAC systems or um, you know for, for pretty much anything else it's not as different as you'd think actually obviously the end product and how you get to the end product is different but somebody finding you, knowing what you do, thinking that that's going to solve a problem that they have, I think that's the challenge for every business, whether it's an HVAC or, you know, you talk about people telling their life stories. Well, you know, think about the information we tell financial planners and mm. attorneys. And I mean, it's not that different, quite frankly, in some cases. So um, the principles really apply. It, does, it, it almost doesn't matter what your business is. That does make sense, right. You have kind of a different approach to marketing than other marketing books that I've read. And why don't you start? I just, I like this a lot. You you have this duct tape metaphor and it represents your approach to marketing. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how I came up with that name because it, it, it actually served me quite well, but it certainly does kind of raise some eyebrows every now and then. I you know I have my, my office in Kansas City is uh, on the ground floor, almost a retail-ish looking space and every day I get to watch people walk by and look at my sign and go, what is that <laughs> business in there? Uh, which can be a good thing to cause some some intrigue. But I, I really came up with the name Duct Tape Marketing because I uh, had worked with small business owners for a number of years and found it rather challenging uh, because they had the same needs and challenges as much larger organizations, but certainly not the same budgets or even attention spans. And uh, so I came up with, or I wanted to come up with, with almost a way to productize or systemize marketing um, where I could walk in and say, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what you're going to do. Here are the results that we hope to get. And here's what it costs. Kind of a revolutionary uh, approach at the time. And, and what I found was it was actually, in trying to solve my greatest frustration, it actually was addressing the greatest frustration a lot of small business owners. It's, it's actually hard to buy marketing in a comprehensive, integrated, systematic uh, fashion. Everybody's selling you know, this tactic and, and that tactic. And so when I came up and, and, and realized how, how much that idea of marketing as a system you know, resonated with small business owners, I, I kind of figured I, if I was going to productize marketing, I had to give it a clever sort of brand name of some, of some fashion. And that's uh, when I applied, started applying the, the term duct tape marketing to what I was doing. And, you know, to me, it was, it just felt like the perfect metaphor for, for what many people experience in business that, you know, a lot of the, the marketing stuff is in some ways almost secondary to what your business uh, does. It's obviously crucial, but it's not what your business does. I mean, you didn't, you didn't start to, to write and, and record people's life histories because you were so great at marketing. <laughs> you, exactly. Uh, you, know, you probably did it for other reasons, but you also quickly come to realize that, you know, there is no business maybe without some form of marketing. And, um, and so, you know, this idea of, you know, simple, effective, affordable uh, marketing uh, just really, I think, kind of captured what it's like for a lot of small business owners. And uh, I think I also benefit to some extent uh, from this kind of strange passion that people do seem to have for all things duct tape. I think so many people can relate to, you know, having fixed something in an emergency, you know, with duct tape and maybe it's still fixed today. 
Right. And I, I love the thought that, you know, what you have is um, kind of the, the method that you teach, you know, it's it promises to be simple, effective and affordable. And I think where a lot of people, um, well, I, I might be speaking more about myself here, but, you know, other people that I've spoken to that have reached out to me, um, you know, because of the podcast, marketing is always at the top of our mind. And it's usually one of the, um, the things that people are afraid of the most because there are so many different ways to go with it. So, you know, you, you talk in your books and, and on your on your podcast about um, online marketing and offline marketing. So online, you know, meaning on the computer and then in the real world. And there are so many directions that we can go, but we only have, you know, especially for the people who like most most personal historians or life story professionals are on their own so they're a one a one person shop you know they're they're doing all of the things for the business and all of the business things so they're doing all the writing the producing and they're doing the marketing and everything else um and so we only have a certain amount of time and there's just you know every everybody has lots of good ideas on how they can go out and market but i think what you the the difference that that uh, the different message that you're sending is, you know, you're talking about uh, strategy before tactics and having a solid foundation. So can you talk a little bit about that and why that's so important for, um, especially for a small local business? Well, you, you've mentioned so many of the reasons, um, but, but what happens is so many people go out and do it kind of backwards. They go, uh, let's be on Facebook and let's have a website and let's do this and let's participate in this group. Um, and then they start saying, okay, why would we do that? <laughs> what, what would we get from being there? Who would we meet if we went there? But, but they're all, you know, they're down the track of, you know, just doing all this activity. And what we try to get people to do is particularly small businesses who have limited resources. I mean, yeah, there may be 18 social networks that you could participate in, but if you only got limited time and budget and energy, maybe you ought to, prioritize some of that. And so what uh, a, a marketing strategy allows you to do is to say, okay, who are we really after? What, you know, what, who is our ideal client? You know, narrowly define who makes an ideal client rather than just saying, I do X, Y, Z, come and get it if, if you want that. Um, because a lot of times what happens if we don't do that, you know, we, we start chasing people that aren't good clients and aren't really you know, we're not going to like working with them. Um, and, and when you're in a typically in a very small business, again, some of the folks that you work with probably have a capacity. Uh, they can only do so many projects at a time. Um, and so if that's the case, then I think we need to get much more selective about who we will and will not work with. Um, and that, you know, that really comes down to kind of having that real narrow focus on who makes an ideal client. But the second part of that is, to get your message down, uh, where you're really um, where you're really attracting people who have a problem that they're trying to solve, and that what you do, connecting what you do, <laughs> solves that problem. Um, and that can sound a little um, esoteric, I think, in, unless we kind of try to apply it. But I think a lot of a, a lot of people go, you know, and I'm going to say your uh, listeners probably fall into this because experience tells me <laughs> that this is true. Is a lot of them think that they are selling a completed, you know, personal history. Um, and while that's the end product, um, I, what I want to suggest is that um, they connect to the problem that that solves. And what I mean by that is, so, um, gosh, it's been 25 years ago. Um, my mother was a tremendous cook, really loved to bake, had all kinds of 
of holiday traditions that she, you know, centered around a lot of the cooking and a lot of the baking that she did. And she, uh, her health was not great. Um, and we all realized that she probably had just so much time left on this planet. And so we actually got her to record all of her recipes and all of her traditions and turn that into a, a family cookbook um, is what it amounted to. And it is an absolute treasure for something that we would have lost. And now I'm giving it, I gave it to my kids. They're going to give it to their kids. And so, you know, we solved what we saw as a, as a, an essential problem, which was a loss of this, you know, kind of matriarch, you know, for our families. Uh, but, but, but not just, you know, everybody loves their mom, I hope, <laughs> but, but she had, she did some things that, you know, we're going to be lost forever. I mean, these traditions were going to be lost forever. And in fact, this was back before we had a lot of this technology. And so I literally recorded these on cassette tapes, took them to a transcription service. And the, the woman was literally in tears when she gave it back to me, um, because she just said, you, you have no idea what a treasure this is. So to me, Obviously, we wanted a cookbook, I guess, <laughs> but what we really wanted was to solve the problem that that this uh, essential part of our family was going to be lost uh, forever, and and that's what I think is a way that that we have to tap into. I've I've contended that you know the the companies or the people who who can explain the problem the best <laughs> are the ones that we're probably going to to connect with and and want to do business with. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just amazed because you, you know, you are a personal historian. You, you, you've done a personal history project yourself because that's exactly the kind of projects that that people like I do. Um, you know, it's it it can be a long form narrative where they're talking about their memories, but actually, the cookbook thing is a little niche within the life story business. So kudos to you for actually doing that because a lot of people, you know, I, I had mentioned earlier that sometimes it's the adult children that hire us to do a project. And when that's the case, it's usually because they, you, you stated it so beautifully. The, the problem is the impending loss of, you know, a, a loved one and that person, the traditions and the memories, um, and, you know, the recipes that that loved one has. And so you don't want to lose all of that. And so you, you do something like a cookbook. Well, most uh, well, I should, most adult children who do reach out to somebody to help them with that, it's because they don't have the time or the know-how to do that themselves. So you guys, you and your family did that. I, that that's wonderful. I love hearing that when people take it upon themselves and they actually do it to completion. Sometimes people start and then it never gets completed. Um, so so you get what the problem is. I, I got to share with you one of the really fun parts of this was I, I have seven brothers and two sisters. You know, my mom's recipes were, you know, six dozen cookies at a time. <laughs> and so anybody who uses this cookbook has to be good at math because she kept her <laughs> her giant recipe portions in there. It's kind of hysterical. When my wife first started using it, she was like, six cups of flour? What is it? You know, it's like, well, it's going to make a lot of cookies just morning. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I like that. Well, something else that you talk about is, and I think we're touching on this right now, you know, the, we say that we are there to solve a problem. And, and so, uh, you know, going back to the adult 
children coming to us life uh, story professionals, you know, their problem is not just that they're going to lose at some point, we, we never know when it's going to happen. Um, but at some point, they're going to lose the, the stories of, of their family, you know, not just their maybe their mom or their dad, but also all of the their mom or dad's memories of the people that came before. So their mom and dad's memories of their own grandparents. Um, but an additional problem is then that they maybe don't have the time to do this themselves and sometimes it's out of guilt because they know that they know that this is a worthwhile project and they're feeling guilty because you know maybe they bought a little uh, a book that to fill out and they never did it or maybe they bought it for their parent and their parent never did it um but something i think that you talk about and is really interesting is somebody can need something but they have to want it in order for it to be um a viable product or service for us to sell correct well that's right and and, and that kind of gets to the the you know, if all we do is sell a completed book, we're going to sell that to people who've already realized that's what they want. <laughs> and so they're coming, you know, to look for that to get done because they don't have time. And I think what, um, you know, great marketers understand is that a lot of, you know, a lot of times we have to help people understand why they would even want this. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things my father recently passed and w- one of the things that was really interesting, that generation didn't always talk about the good things and the bad things that happened in their lives. Um, and, you know, late in his life, uh, I've, I learned about his parents' divorce. I mean, I knew about it, of course, but he'd never talked about it. Uh, he spent time in Korea. He never talked about that uh, during the Korean War. And he started talking about that. And it just made you realize there's all this stuff here that not, not only are we going to lose, but in some cases, Maybe nobody's asked him, you know, to to share some of this information. And there's stuff that I don't even know as his grown child about his childhood. Um, and and I think that's a that's a you know that's an example I think of of a, of a way that we could actually explain a problem that's you know that that this this particular um, you know life history could actually bring to life and 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 solve that we may not have even thought was a problem. If that makes sense. Exactly. It absolutely makes sense because that, you know, the, the World War II generation and going on, you know, the Korean War generation, it, it changes a little bit with the baby boomers. They're a little bit more receptive to the idea of, you know, that their story, passing down their story has worth. But the earlier generations are, they're notorious for being um, very silent about things like their war experiences. And also, um, it almost can feel like a self-indulgent project to say, hey, I want to write a book about my growing up years or, you know, my plus my young adult years. I want to write a book that is focused on me. So it, in some respects, it makes it a little bit harder. It can make it a little bit harder to convince somebody of the um, that they should go ahead with this project. Sometimes there can be some resistance because they feel like, you know, well, who am I to have a book written about myself? So how would you how would you approach something like that? Well, I, you know, again, it's like everything. Um, when somebody asks, you know, who am I to do that? You know, I always turn it around and say, who are you not to? You know, because you know, it's not just about you; it's about what you're. Uh, what you're able to pass down and share and, and the wisdom that, you know, people will cherish, um, you know, long after you're gone. And, and I think that that's, you know, it, it turns it in instead of a selfish feeling act, it turns it into, in my opinion, a selfless um, act. And, and I think that's certainly a way to address it. I will also say that in my experience, um, 
we started actively, you know, having these conversations with my father and I could tell he, <laughs> he was so thrilled that we asked. Um, and I think there probably are a lot of, uh, a lot of the grown children of these aging parents that could actually use this process as a way to, um, to deepen their relationship, quite frankly, uh, with, uh, with the parent that's probably not going to be around for a while. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I've had it happen several times where, um, you know, I've been told that the parent did not talk at all about their younger years or maybe war experiences until a grandchild was assigned, you know, for a school assignment, had to go and interview them. And then it's almost like the floodgates open, you know, and then everybody is recognizing the value of this and everybody's, it piques everybody's curiosity. And it's, you know, it gives permission to that older generation to say, yeah, what we value what you have to share with us. There are a lot of you know, older adults out there that are saying, I would really like to write my memoir thing, but, but it's almost in some ways it's almost ridiculed of like, yeah, another author. Great. You know, that's what the world needs. Um, and I, you know, I think that, you know, part of the story, uh, if you will, is, you know, is, uh, is kind of positioning it as a family project that, that there's something in it actually for everyone. Right. Yeah. And that's what I usually tell people, you know, it's a gift that they're not giving to themselves, but they're, they're giving it as well to all of the generations that come after them. So I would like to shift gears a little bit because I know you, you have so much good stuff to talk, um, to say about how websites should be set up and things like that. And, um, so, Mostly, you know, when we when we talk to people, it, a lot of it has to be in person, but they have to be able to find us. And, you know, you have to have just to make your business legitimate, you have to at least have a website. Um, and there's I think there's an awful lot of us who don't really know very much about the intricacies of making the websites optimized and things like that. Um, but you have uh, you have some good webinars on your on your website, and you talk a little bit about the. I'm sure I'm going to get this wrong. The Google Small Business Universe is that right? Well, that's just my term for it, but, but oh. uh, especially locally and um, and online. I mean. You know, Google is it um, and and following kind of what they want to see and their best practices and their tools um, and their services is, is you know, always going to be good advice, at least in, in the near future uh, for most small business owners. I mean, e- even if even if most of if not all of your business comes because somebody heard you did great work and they wanted to know how they could get that done, you know, in their family. And so a friend told them, you know, today uh, we still turn to the web and at least say, okay, well, yeah, you know, how do I contact that person? Well, let me read a little bit about them. You know, let's, you know, let's see if what other people think about them. I mean, we're still doing that, even if the entire transaction and way that we conduct business is across a coffee table. We're still using, uh, we are using, I should say today, the, you know, websites and the internet as kind of the hub for uh, information gathering. It can be a starting point. I mean, it can be a transaction point, obviously, uh, as well today. Uh, But at the very least, um, it it needs to give people a sense of this is somebody I can trust. This is somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, This is how I get a hold of this person. This is, you know, this person, what other people say about this person. It doesn't have to be uh, an elaborate, um, you know, project that you think, oh, I'm going to have every, you know, everybody who goes online is going to search and they're going to find me. It still just needs to be a comfortable place that people can know your story enough to connect with you. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that we have the advantage of, um, in most markets, you're not going, if you're a life story professional in most markets, you are not going to have much competition. There's just not that many people out there who are doing this. So, um, you know, I, I think probably as a kind of a, a minimum, what you want is if somebody, Google's around, you know, let's say they live in Kansas City and they and and I should even use myself as an example because I'm sure mine is not set up correctly at all. So I don't know if they're Googling in Kansas City for life story writers, what they're going to come up with. I would hope they would come up with a story scribe, which is my company, but I don't even know if that's true. So um, why don't you give us um, a few things that we can do to, you know, to at least give us a, a shot at showing up in the Google results page uh, if somebody is looking for, you know, help with writing their own story? So at the very least, I mean, you spend just spend some time in Google and do some searches for what you think people search for when they're looking for you. Um, ask your existing or past clients how they found you <laughs> if, or if they, you know, now that they know about your service. Because I, I think one of the challenges sometimes when you when people say it's great because we don't have a lot of competition, um, that's both good and bad because it also means there aren't a whole lot of people typing into Google, you know, how to get my story written or personal historians. Um, and so, you know, you're not going to necessarily get a flood of business because you've optimized your website. You're going to get that business because you're out there networking, because you are doing things offline that are driving people to your website. Your website, in a lot of ways, is just a place for them, for you to build trust, for them to <laughs> experience or sample your work, if you will. I mean, and, and, and again, you know, the short answer is, you know, spend some time writing your own content, <laughs> spend some time mm-hmm. creating things that when that person does reach out uh, initially and and maybe calls you and says, you know, my aunt Betty said you did a great work for her, that you're actually able, really feel proud to send them to your website and say, yeah, here's, you know, go get this document. It, it talks about all the great reasons to do this, how, how to work with somebody like me, how to get prepared, you know, to... Re- to uh, record this history, so creating those resources and having them on your website uh, makes it, e- it it actually enables your entire offline marketing, um, and it and it makes the process uh, more convenient. And today, um, especially you know, you start talking about uh, <clears throat> the baby boomers, and of course we're going to have the millennials right after them. I mean, convenience is a great part of why we have websites and why. We have online resources because it makes it easier for these, you know, crazy times of everybody's busy. Um, that in, in a lot of ways, the the company or the service that is the easiest to get information from and to do business with is going to win. That's a really good um, thought. I like I have a um, copies that I've made of it's an information packet that I give to somebody when I'm doing the in person sure. sales talk, and I never. Th- <laughs> I never thought of putting all those as pages on my website. The lovely thing about putting all those as pages online is that turns into content that's actually going to help people find you. Because, you know, part of the process of writing about how this process works, why you would do it, you know, you're going to naturally work in the types of phrases and content that people are looking for. Maybe they're trying to figure out how to do it themselves. Well, they're going to find you. 
um, and learn that, well, my goodness, I don't have to do this myself. Um, and so, you know, do, do use your website to teach and educate and produce useful content all around all the topics people might be searching for. Um, even if you're telling them, and, and this always frightens people, but even if you're telling people how to do it themselves, uh, which is maybe the way they're going to find you in the first place, um, most of them, many of them will come to realize they can't and don't want to do it themselves, but now they've found you and they trust you. That's a great point. Yeah. So do you recommend um, uh, that people have blogs attached to their websites? I mean, is it something that you have to keep continuously updating and having new information? Or can you have just all static pages and people will still be able to find you that way? Well, I, you know, I'm a big fan of blogging. And it's one of the ways that you keep adding new content. Google likes that. Um, it is also, I mean, what you can do though is, is be strategic about it. So you don't have to just go, what should I write this week? Um, I guess I'll put 500 words up. So if you instead say, I'm going to write the guide, the ultimate guide, let's give it a good name. The ultimate guide (laughs) to creating your family history or something like that. Um, and that guide is essentially going to be, you're going to write 10 blog posts that are, that, you know, might be, if you think of the ultimate guide as a book, uh, your 10 blog posts are going to be the 10 chapters that would go in that book. Um, and they're all going to link together and they're all going to live. Some portion of them are going to live on the ultimate guide page and then link off to, you know, the full blog post. So you can take, 10 weeks, 10 months, whatever to write that, um, you link it all together and it acts as a, you know, just a magnet for people that are looking for, um, you know, some information you'll get this, you'll rank, you'll get those pages to rank, uh, nationally, not just locally. Um, and, and, you know, if you take that kind of strategic approach, so it's not just blogging, isn't just, you know, Amy's personal thoughts for the day, they are, you know, a very strategic approach to create a body of work that will serve as an asset over time. Oh, yeah, right. And, you know, I, a, a previous podcast episode, I, um, I interviewed Derek Lewis, who is a, um, he's a business book ghostwriter. And he did something similar. Well, I, I don't know if it started off as a blog, but he did a book on how to write a business book. So it's geared f- towards business people who want to, you know, set themselves up as the authority in their field. And just like you're, you're saying, very many people then realize, oh, boy, this is way harder. This is more than I want to do myself. And so then, but you've already shown that you know how to do it, it because you're teaching them how to do it. And so I guess it creates more um, confidence in you when they decide that they don't want to do it themselves. Yeah, you know, I say that all the time. You know, people don't want to really know how to do it. They just want to know that you know how to do it. And so mm-hmm. if you teach them that, and, and you just, you kind of stole my thunder there. So you create this whole part on your website that becomes this guide. Well, now you've got 10,000 words. Well, guess what? That turns into a great portable ebook, or let's, let's take it a step further, publish it on Amazon uh, using uh, the Kindle direct publishing platform. And now all of a sudden you've got a, a global audience, which you may or may not ever want to work with, but now you have, well, maybe you make a little revenue off of that. Sell what the heck sell it for two ninety nine. Uh, make a little revenue off of it. But what's hap- going to happen is people are going to find that. They're going to share that. Uh, they're going to ask you to come talk to their group <laughs> um, about you know what you do. And all this next thing you know, you've built uh, a, a brand that is going to make you kind of the 
preferred choice for somebody who wants to do this. Yeah, that's that's all really good advice. Assuming that, assuming that you like to write stuff. I'm right. Well, and hopefully if, if we're life story writers, we we, sh- we better like to write well, stuff. Well, it's pretty funny though. You know, I coach a lot of marketing consultants and, you know, they're all out there telling their clients they need content and blogs and, you know, some of their blogs and websites are woefully <laughs> in neglect themselves. So I'm sure that that's true of your folks. You're too busy writing to actually write. Right. Well, and what I've found is um, because I, I don't blog on the story scribe, which is my main business. I mean, that's my life story writing business on the life story coach, which is this, the podcast. And, you know, there's a website that goes with it. I do occasionally write blogs. It's it's mostly the the recorded interviews, but I do occasionally write some articles. And oh, my gosh, it's so it feels so good. I mean, I I used to journal a lot. I used to, you know, write for some newspapers. So I used to do a lot of my own writing. And, you know, this is this is an aside. This has nothing to do with marketing. But I realized like how much when I start writing my own piece, I realize how good it feels because I'm, you know, uh, in this business, we're, we're, we're a channel, you know, we're channeling other people's words, and we're shaping them into a text that they would write if they were writers. Um, So it's, but it's not, it's not your own material. It's not even your own words. You know, you're just, you're just the craft person to, to turn that into the kind of book that they want. Um, So it, it does feel really good to, to sit down. So anyways, you're, that's my long winded way of saying you're really inspiring me. And <laughs> you transcribe this podcast. Oh, heck yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> a lot of people don't do that. And we're going to, between us, we're going to produce about 4,500 words today. Um, and so put that on your website. All right. Well, okay. So I know that you don't have very much time. Um, one last thing, just because it, I had never heard of this until, until you know, I, I started reading your stuff, which I, I've been reading your stuff for a long time, but this one, for some reason, escaped my, uh, my attention up until recently. And you talk about Google My Business, is, and that's something where if you're on it, then if somebody types in, you know, life story writing um, Atlanta, then whoever in that market will come up. Is that right? Yeah. So that's Google's local search engine, if you will. So they think somebody's looking for a local business. So let's say, let's say I'm in Kansas city. Well, I am in Kansas city. um, And I type in tree service and it says, Oh, you're in Kansas city. And we think you're looking for a tree service. So they, any kind of search like that, um, whether I type in the name or, or of a city or not, if they determine that that's a local, has some local intent, I'm looking for a local business or a local service, um, then they are going to serve up the, the normal results that they do, but they're also going to include what are called uh, the Google Maps results. And so <clears throat> that's, um, you know, it's, it's changed over the years, but currently uh, today it's three listings and it will, you know, show hey, we think these are by you and here's their phone number and here's their website. And if you're on a mobile device, you know, click to call. Um, here's, you know, here's directions. Click on the button to get directions. So that's that's kind of the intent of that. And all of those results are pulled from essentially, uh, I won't be technically true if I say all of those, but 90% of those results are pulled from something called Google My Business. And Google My Business is a free service. It's just uh, if you type in business.google.com um, and type in the name of your business in the city, they'll say, well, sure, we've got you in the directory. Do you want to claim that listing? Or maybe you've already claimed it. Um, and it just is their, it's their information layer 
Um, so, so that you can provide them. Here's my exact name. Here's my exact address. Here's the category of business I'm in. Here's where my business is located. Here, these are the products we offer. Here's some photos. Here's a video <laughs> of me talking about my business. Um, and it's just kind of a collection of, of knowledge uh, that uh, and, and data that they're able to use then for anybody who's doing that local search. That's where your reviews, Google reviews. Uh, will show up there and you can respond to those reviews uh, there. So increasingly for local businesses, if you're not showing up, I mean, there's only three listings. So we call it the three pack. If you're not showing up in that three pack for your category of business, then, you know, you might not exist. <laughs> That's so interesting. I know. So it's almost like the yellow pages for Google or what the yellow pages used to be, I guess. It's it's a directory and then they choose the 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 top three from their directory. Yeah, and it's not just the top three. Proximity has a ton to do with it. I mean, if I type in hair salon right now, there's a hair salon 67 feet from me, and that will come up number one today. But if I drive two miles away from here, mm -hmm. it won't. So you know, there are a lot of factors that go come into play. I mean, there is some, you know, getting reviews, having, you know, your business, uh, you know, highly talked about and shared and, and social signals, all, all of those things come into play, but proximity is a big factor as well. Well, and I would guess that, you know, if, if most places don't have too many personal historians or life story professionals, then, um, it, it, you know, then we should be in those top three. <laughs> but I didn't. I thought this was some of that sort of magic stuff that Google did all on its own. But we could be proactive, and we can go on to business.google. Is that what you said it was? Business.google. And if, if you have a business address and phone number and name of your business that you've conducted business, there's a pretty good chance you're in there. It's just whether or not you've taken advantage of it and optimized it and made it correct. And um, you get a lot of opportunities to, you can't manipulate what Google's going to do, but you can certainly share better data with them. Right. Well, okay. Actually, that does bring up a question. Most people that I know that do this, you know, for a while I was, I was in a co-working space at Cowork Waldo and I now am back in my home office. Um, I don't have clients come here ever. They, the only time that they need, my address is, you know, if they're going to mail me um, payment. So in, in general, I like, I don't think I have my address at all on my website. Is that, do you have to have your address for that? Or um, I guess, is there any compelling, I'm trying to think if there's any compelling reason that I would not want to have my address associated well, with it. You might not because, you know, some, somebody will show up at your house someday. <laughs> <laughs> that could be awkward. Trying to sell you insurance or something. But, um, the, so you have the option. You don't have to show your address. I mean, if you're in a highly competitive business and people are coming to your you know, business, well, you know, you, your address must be on there or it's really not going to you know, benefit you to be in there. But in cases of, of people at home offices uh, don't want to have their listing, um, there's no reason to have their listing like it's a warehouse and, you know, we go out to our customers. You, you don't have to put that um, in there. Um, you sometimes, uh, you know, will try to say, well, I service people you know, 50 miles radius or something like that. And so they'll kind of take that as a factor. But, but one of the things you do have going for you is, is as you said, I mean, um, you should be able to get your site to rank for, you know, the industry that you're, you're in. So. 
Wonderful. John, this was such a good conversation. I appreciate it so much. Can you tell us where people can find your books? Where? Oh, and I, I, I think I mentioned in the intro that you actually, so you are a consultant yourself, but you also have a whole team. Like It sounds like a very, very large team of consultants all over the place. So if somebody wants some help with um, getting their business going, getting their marketing plan going, where do they look and where do they find your books and find you? So the easiest place to look is uh, just duct tape marketing, and that's D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E marketing.com. And uh, my books are really, I mean, Amazon's uh, an easy place, uh, IndieBound, you know, any of the places that sell books, Barnes & Noble, uh, online, wherever you like to buy books, um, you can find really all of my books there. Um, and as far as my network of consultants, yeah, we have about 150 uh, consultants around the world in 14 countries, uh, all installing the duct tape marketing system. And so uh, if your listeners are in Austin or Boston or Salt Lake City, they, they can find a local consultant uh, that practices the duct tape marketing methodology. Great. And if they're in Kansas City, they can go by your your shop, which is right across from the beer station, right? And right down from McLean's. Too. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. And um, boy, I'd love, I'd love to have you on again sometime if you're willing. Stop by anytime. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye. And that does it for our interview with John Jance of Duct Tape Marketing. If you'd like to see links to the things that we were talking about, or if you want to reach John, or if you want to download a transcript of today's interview, head over to the website at thelifestorycoach.com and look for episode 28. And if this has been helpful, please help us share the word about the podcast and about working in the life story industry in general by leaving us an iTunes review. If you have any comments, feel free to leave them on the lifestorycoachpodcast.com episode 28. And until next time, go out and save someone's story.